Thank you so much for joining us again on the Love Essentials podcast. This is Joy, and today I'm not by myself. I have Monique Williams, who is here with me, and we are going to be talking about dating with a chronic medical condition. But before we dive into it, welcome, Monique, and thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me here. It's a pleasure to be here and talk to you today about this topic. It's a really interesting one. You know, I don't think many people give it thought unless it's something that they've had to deal with or someone they know actually deals with this. Yes, yes, I agree. Before we dive into it, why don't you share with our listeners a little something about yourself, who you are and what you do? Well, hey everyone, I am Monique Williams. I'm an intuitive self-care advisor and life strategist. And I work with women teaching them how to create and implement a holistic self-care lifestyle um, so they can live a life of pleasure, ease, and flow. Me personally, I am a mom to one brilliant and beautiful daughter. (laughs) I'm also a fibromyalgia and arthritis warrior. So this is why this topic is very important to me um, because fibromyalgia is a, a chronic medical condition And so um, I'm happy to talk about that as we move on in the interview this evening. Thank you for sharing that with us. You know, that's something I didn't know. And so now the questions, the wheels are turning and I'm like, yeah, okay, makes sense. This is our conversation tonight, dating with a chronic medical condition. You know, in this current climate or in our current culture, and society, they want this perfect person. And it's almost like, you know, if you don't fit the mold and you're perfect, then you you don't get somebody. But at the end of the day, there are no perfect people walking the face of this earth at all. And so yeah. what people, you know, say is perfect, it's just a, you know, an, it's a perfect imperfection for somebody else. But when we throw in a chronic medical condition, that's a different ballgame. Yeah, it is a different ballgame because when you think about chronic conditions, it's a it's a lifetime commitment. So when we're thinking about, you know, I'm 40, so it actually depends on your reasons for dating. Um, so most people who are my age, not all, you know, some people are just dating to have fun, but most people are dating because they're looking for a lifetime partner, a lifetime commitment. They're looking for marriage, things of that nature. And that's the chronic pain. Well, like I have a chronic pain condition, but chronic medical conditions, that is something that it comes with pros. It comes with cons and you don't know what to expect as life goes on. For some people with chronic medical conditions, you know, doctors can tell you, you know, hey, as your illness progresses, this is what you are to expect. And for some people, that could be a life of um, deterioration. You know, it comes with um, extra responsibilities that people don't think about. You know, a lot of times when people are dating and they're dreaming about their future with someone, Usually they think about kids or the finances or what will our career be and where will we live. Um, But a lot of times they don't think about, you know, you take the oath of sickness and health, um, but what does that sickness look like? Like who will be there to assist? What will it feel like to be a caretaker? What would it feel like if I was the only 
breadwinner? What would it feel like if my partner could not help me with things that I take for granted? Um, it's a lot to think about um, when you are someone who has a chronic condition, as well as a person who is, you know, out there dating and you come across someone who's a potential candidate and knowing that they have a chronic um, condition as well. Thank you so much for sharing that. You know, one thing with life, there is like no certain, you know, nothing is certain. Everything, life changes, you know, it's all subject to change. So what may look like, you know, everything is perfect right now in this moment and we're healthy and we, you know, we're good. It just takes a day to happen. And that, you know, diagnosis may change or you can get one and then everything changes. And so I think, you know, it's really important that when, when you're seeking out somebody that you also consider how they are, you know, are they a loving, kind, compassionate person who would be patient with you when you, you know, should you fall sick? Should you, you know, should your situation change as far as your health is concerned? How do they carry you through? How do they walk with you through those moments? So it's so important that we go beyond the superficial and really get to the core of what makes a person who they are and really evaluate our choices and decision-making in the process. We got to dive deeper sometimes, I think, you know? You know, from, you know, from my perspective, I think it, it also, you have to be self-aware of yourself before you can think about you know, having compassion and finding someone who knows how to love unconditionally. You know, with me and my, again, personal perspective and belief, we love to think that people love unconditionally. We love to think that once someone gets to know us and that they love us and they care about us, that when these things come along, that because they care about us and they know the true person that we are, they just want to go and they want to serve and be our servant if we need them. But at the core, all of us, when we're born, from the time you take your first breath until you leave this earth, you have some form of selfishness. And I don't mean to say that like selfishness isn't a bad you know, way of seeing it, but we need basic needs. We need to be loved. We need um, to have food. We need perfect health. We need a roof over our head. We want people to serve us, even though we should have a heart to serve others. At the end of the day, you also want someone to return that to you. You know, if you're loving and loving people all day, we talk about this a lot, especially me with self-care, you have to fill your tank up too, but you also expect people to also love on you and serve you and, and cater to you. And, you know, when I talk to people sometimes when I go to these groups that are like focused on people with chronic medical conditions or, you know, dating with chronic medical conditions, there are people Sometimes I'll meet in groups that say, you know, I was married or I had a partner and they just loved me and they were like the perfect partner. Um, and then I got this diagnosis and, you know, I'm still trying to keep up with life. Everything was great, but then I couldn't do some of the things that I, I couldn't do anymore. And my partner just totally changed. 
And, you know, and most people in the group will go, oh, well, you know, it's stressful for your partner too and all those things, which is true. But sometimes some people just don't have the capacity to, to, to serve someone else to that level. The same way someone might love kids, but they are not at the capacity to be a parent themselves, if that makes sense to you. I know people who love kids, but they should not have their own because they, they just don't want that added responsibility. And that's okay. And so when you are someone who does have a chronic medical condition, say for instance, for me, at least I know already. So if I'm dating someone, I can be upfront and say, hey, this is me. This is my life. This is how it is every day. And that person can choose to get to know me more, see how I move in life. They can get to research it. They can, you know, walk, walk with me as they get to know me and they can make a decision if, you know, yay or nay. But for people who you may have been married a year, two years, 10 years, and it comes up, you truly don't know what a person is, has the capacity to, to do until it's there. And I think sometimes people are afraid to say, you know what, I don't want to date anybody who has a chronic medical condition, or I don't want to, you know, be with someone who um, needs a part-time or, you know, a, a full-time caretaker. I, I just, I don't want to do that. Because if you say that, then it sounds like you're mean and cruel and selfish and, oh, you're such a bad person. But in reality, you're just speaking your truth. And speaking your truth helps everyone. It helps the person with the chronic condition. It, you know, it helps you to be able to move, you know, forward with your life and find, you know, the partner that you desire that, you know, may not have, you know, the issues like a chronic pain condition. It just really is based on how, you know, you want to look at it. But for me personally, walking this walk and actually taking care of patients who have been in the same situation and connecting with other women and men who live this life, um, you know, you want to find, like I said, someone who would be open to that. But, you know, reality is um, it's just not everybody's um, assignment and that's okay. It really is okay. And I think, you know, it will be wise of us to just allow people to like what they like and like who they like let them be upfront with, you know, their proclivities and say, I don't want to date somebody like that. At least you're not being blindsided into something. You know, that self-awareness is so important because if they were lying and you ended up in a situation now, you're already committed. Worse, even you're married and they cannot perform at the level that you need them to. They cannot assist. And now they're beginning to have, you know, signs of you know, anger, bitterness, resentment, all because they feel like this is not what I wanted. But because I felt like, you know, this was the right thing for me to say, or I needed to be in this situation, or, you know, this is just my responsibility. I'm here in this situation. You know, I think, so one thing with me is I kind of like, I enjoy being transparent. And just, you know, sharing, well, this is my walk, you know, I have no shame in where I've come from. It's part of how I got to where I am today. So I'm divorced. And 
I, I was somebody who should never have got married in the first place simply because I wasn't mature enough and I wasn't in a place to, I didn't know myself, you know? And so I, I was making a decision for a life partner from a place of brokenness. It was in our second month of marriage when I ended up with a serious condition and ended up in hospital for two months and then saw who I was married to, even though we had been together for so long. Mm -hmm. And I was the one who couldn't take care of myself. I was the one who needed somebody to help me in the morning, to help me get dressed, to help me wash, to help me in the honeymoon season. And I was alone. Yeah. And you know, that that is common. Even though people don't want to believe it, people who may not have experienced that would be like, oh, it's just, you just picked the wrong person. Um, but I think a lot of that comes from at the beginning when you were talking about finding a perfect person. We paint dating and relationships and marriage or partnerships, however that looks like for you, to be this perfect thing. And we have these perfect expectations. And so people have mastered hiding who they truly are, how they truly feel, or what they're willing to do. Because if they don't hide it, they a lot of people feel like I'll never get a partner. So say from my perspective, there were times I dated and I'd be like, well, should I tell this person if I have a chronic pain condition or um, should I just wait until it becomes a problem? You know, I've, I've taken care of patients and worked with women who have done the same thing. Like he's such a great guy and he's really active and we get along very well. But, you know, he tells me things like, you know, he wants to have a partner who even in their older ages, you know, they want to vacation and do all of these things. And they're like, oh my goodness, I know I'm not going to be able to do that, but I don't want to miss this good guy because they feel like they're going to miss the opportunity. Me personally, I feel like if we were more open, if people were able to be more open about their life, how they live it, how it's a little bit different than the norm, I think it would be more accepting. People would be more open to date people who are not perfect, but we live in a society when it comes to dating and relationships, it's keep your business to yourself. You know, don't tell your business to anybody, don't tell your business to the public. That's your own personal problem and and the person who is dealing with whatever that chronic condition is um they're holding their that weight on themselves when there are actually people out there who who love people and they're willing to serve you and they're willing to love you they're willing to learn what it takes you know to help you but when you're someone like me sometimes you don't get a chance to be vulnerable and share that information so people know what to expect what I've learned, you know, with dating is you either get people will be like, yeah, I can't handle that. And with me, that's cool because I have boundaries because if you can't handle it, I don't want you near me. <laughs> but then you have other people who I call them the uh, 
emotional individuals. They're they're on like compassion overload. They treat you like you can't do anything. And all of a sudden they become your savior. And you're like, wait a minute, you know, I'm not, I'm not dead yet. <laughs> I want to live life too. You don't have to feel like you have to save me, but I do need you to be here to to understand who I am, to understand what my life looks like, to understand how your life looks. Are you self-aware with yourself? Can we put the two together? If we did move forward, you know, there are actually resources available that can assist us and you don't feel like you have to step out of the partner role or the husband role and now become my caretaker. Oh, you said so many good things, Monique. Like, oh my <laughs> gosh. You know, one thing that I'm not, I can't stand about dating is how people really show up with their representative. Mm-hmm. I think we would, it's such an injustice or such a disservice to us and to themselves really to everybody involved when you show up with your representative just show up as who you are yes <laughs> put your authentic best foot forward so that we can be who you are so that you know we can get to experience the real each other you know we can experience each other in our authentic way that yes. way we're able to make informed decisions we're not wasting each other's time and, you know, it can be a better experience, not months down the road, suddenly you're somebody different. And then you're like, hold up, Slim Shady, where did you come from? <laughs> they say they've been there all along. They just had to be put in a yeah. situation to <laughs> show that that was them all along. Exactly. But then another mistake, and I think this was the broken girl in me before, was so many of us, especially church girls, we were always told, you know, get a husband, you know, a husband, a husband, husband. So marriage has been placed on this pedestal. And so now we, you know, it's an idol. It becomes an idol to some people that you are blinded by what is right in front of you. You're not assessing the character. You're not qualifying this person, but you know, you ever you ever know some girlfriends or you ever witness some conversations happen when it's the first date, but in her mind, she's already at the altar. She's already got yeah. the bridal party <laughs> together. And this yeah. is how you fall into the trap of, you know, not making the best decision as when it comes to your partner, your life partner. And then another thing is that we have this mentality or is this mentality right now just keep swiping the ne- the next best thing is coming or what's coming next mm-hmm. is going to be better but a lot of times you know because you know I was born and raised in the church I was a church girl like you said a lot of things and this could be too you know not to make it racial I'm a black woman so I can only speak for a black woman's perspective when it comes to us and women and we're in the church and life in general images of what success and life should look like is given to us. They're images, symbols, symbolic things around us. You know, connect with people who are married. You need to be married. You know, get a degree, hang around these people, have a good job, get your home. You know, all these different things of images, but nobody really talks about the journey in the other parts of life, you know, I've, I've connected 
even though I'm a single woman, most of the women around me are married, <laughs> which is funny. I guess I have a desire to be married, so I attract married people all the time. But, you know, sometimes I mingle in those circles and knowing that I was raised in the church and marriage was the symbol of, you know, doing everything right and becoming older and actually not only just seeing the image now and being told that's what I'm supposed to do, but now I'm connected with people who are in those you know, units and seeing that you got married or you found a partner, you have a fiance or a long-term partner. And then, and that's it. The rest of their life, not all of them, but some is just chaotic. But you're married though. But you have a fiance though. And you can't say anything to me because you're single and I'm married. And I'd be like, I don't want what you got. you know I'm glad I'm not you know you wear it as a badge of honor and I'm over here like girl I'm glad I don't because if that's what I have to deal with I'm bad by myself thank you and I think again it's back to that perfectionism and being perfect and not looking like what you've been through or just just looking like you have the 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 perfect life but when you connect with another person it's two individuals I know we love to hear two becomes one that don't even make sense I know it's in the bible but it's not literally meaning two becomes one it just literally means two people decide to build this this one plan together like you're going to map out this life you're going to create a lineage it doesn't say all of a sudden you're not an individual anymore. It just says you decided to come in contract with another person to create a certain life. But there's still two individuals who are growing professionally, personally, is two people who are still having to deal with things before they even got married. It's still two people who are still trying to figure out what their purpose are. You just so happen when you're married, you're supposed to have someone who can support you in that. And I think we miss those parts and we skip those parts in life. We just tell people what, like, get your bucket list, have a list and check things off. You need this list checked off. But nobody talks about the, the lines between the list. Like, what are the steps between each goal that you just checked off? What is the responsibility that's included with that? Where do you fit in with it? How, what, what, what part in it can you help? And whatever part you're lacking, does the other person have that strength? Or do you need to go outside and find different resources? Now, I'm not talking about go find another partner or cheat, but you know, do we need to find another resource and get therapy? Do we need to find another resource? Like, for instance, we're talking about chronic pain conditions. You know, so many people be like, well, my partner got sick or had a stroke or something. I can't deal with that. And they leave. Nobody talks about you can still be married. You can still be the spouses. But do you need to go get a physical therapist? What specialist do you need to get for the doctors? Okay, let's look at our finances. Will the insurance cover for a nurse or do I have to pay for a nurse? Do I have to pay for an assistant for our home? 
okay, my wife might've been, you know, cleaning the house. Now do we have to go get a, a, someone to clean the home and still have a great marriage or a great partnership, whatever your partnerships look like to you? Nobody talks about that. They only talk about what I need. And when you throw it off, then it's like, okay, I can't deal with this. So I, I have to go. Oh, that was so good. You know, one thing that I used to ask myself is like, you know, I used to be so, well, who am I going to get married? And I would focus on, you know, the characteristics and the qualities of this gentleman. But then I had a moment where I was like, well, why do you even want to get married? Because now I, the way I look at it, that why is so much more significant than mm -hmm. the who, what is your reason? Uh -huh. And, you know, when you start answering these questions for yourself, you start, you know, you start peeling back layers and then tapping into some parts of yourself that you see, like, you know, maybe I need to grow in these areas. Maybe the reason why I'm not married yet, or I haven't, you know, I haven't got to the point where I've had that success with myself first in these areas is because I'm ignoring them. Yeah, because I know before I got diagnosed with fibromyalgia and I just knew life was ahead of me. My goal was I want to get married because I didn't want to be like the other women in my family. You know, growing up, I didn't really even think about marriage. Like my grandmother, her generation, everybody was married. So it's not like I never saw marriage. What some people say they went three, four, five generations. No, all of my aunts, my great aunts, my uncles, they're, they're still married. The ones that are living like you know, that, that was normal for them. But like when my mom's generation came along or my generation, it was more of, I dated somebody, we was in love and we had kids. And then, you know, you know, the cycle, then you get another person had kids. And I just remember it. That's not what I want. And so my why wasn't even about building. It wasn't even about, you know, well, what is marriage? First of all, like, I didn't even have a definition for it. I just knew that it was supposed to be two parents and a kid. And that was the only thing I desired. And then when I had my daughter and I became a single mom, I still focused on, oh my God, I got to make this work. I don't care how I need to do it because my end goal is I just don't want to look like everybody, everybody else around me looks. And then I got diagnosed with fibromyalgia and all of a sudden I realized, you know, I was chasing something and trying to make something really work. And now I'm looking at this person and they're around and now I need help. Like you were saying with your marriage, they can't even, you know, wrap their brain around like what's going on with her? You know, why is she tired? And, and like the whole relationship was dismantled. And at the time, I was so sad about it. But now that I'm older and wiser, I'm like, that was a blessing. Because could I have imagined if God did allow it and I succeeded and I got married and then got sick? You know, when you're not married, you can just walk off. Right. <laughs> but when you're married and it's legal, it's like, what if I would have had to lay in the bed every day next to someone who could not even comprehend what was going on with me? And they just did whatever they want to in a selfish way. And you know what stings about that mm -hmm. is you consider your vows for better or worse through sickness and health till death do us part. You said this in front of your friends and family, in front of God. 
and here I am in the sickness part and you're on vacation mode. Mm -hmm. And you know, I won't really blame people when they're on vacation mode. And I'll tell you why. One time it was just random and I was talking to one of my friends who was married and I said, you know, I don't think those vows should be said at weddings. She was like, what? (laughs) She said, that must be your single part of you talking. I was like, no, I don't think those vows should be stated at every wedding because it's cookie cutter. You can rumble it off. Like it's like affirmations. You can say affirmations a thousand times, but it's not you repeating the words. It's what you feel in your heart. It's, it's the emotion and the passion that you feel when you say it. When you say these things, they're coming from your spirit. It's like your soul is crying out what you need. And you see people all the time quote these cookie cutter marriage vows. And they're just saying them because that's what you got to do to get married. They haven't really stopped to think about what does sickness and health mean? Most of them haven't even had a conversation. Why would you even have a conversation about that if you're healthy right now? Or if you do have something right now, it's not affecting life. You're just repeating this because that's the process to get married. And these are the conversations that need to happen. We really serve ourselves well in making good choices, you know, and really getting to know who we are talking to, who we are dating, and possibly who we are marrying so that there are no surprises, so that the representative is not, you know, is not the one that's going to show up later on. Yes, you know, you know, say friends from my perspective. I don't mingle too much with people's families if we're not like engaged or whatnot, but I think it's so important to see people in their um, normal environment. You know, let me go to a family function and observe everybody. You know, if you tell me your mom or someone is sick and you know, you might share that they have X, Y, and Z health issues or they just randomly are sick. I'm like, oh, you know, what's wrong? Can I go? you know, with you to see them. I just, you know, want to give, you know, kind words of comfort or whatnot because I want to see how they interact in that moment. When You know, if you're telling me your mom's sick and then you get like really emotional and you like go to yourself alone and you kind of let your dad or whoever is with your mom handle it and you show up when she's a little bit better, that's not going to work for me. Because even though I might ask you those hard questions and you'll say, yeah, I could do it. No, I could do it. Okay, that's cute. But I also want to see you too. That's sometimes things we don't look for as red flags. Because you can talk all day. All of the work people do, because now we're on social media. Everybody has connections to everything. Because so many people talk about what you should do in relationships and stuff. Those people who are hiding themselves, you best believe they're going to be on every plate, every book, every live stream, um, every workshop about relationships. And they're going to master, well, you know, I got to answer those questions if she asks them. Because I got to tell her what she wants to hear. I'm going to match your behavior and your choices with what you told me. Because I'm 40 now. And 20 and 25 and 30. Yeah, I probably been like, oh yeah, let's do it at forty. I'm like, okay, yeah, this is my life and this is how it is. 
every day. Some days are not even predictable with the condition I have. So I need to see how you move. Even though you tell me you'll be there, I still need to see. How do you even treat yourself when you're sick? Like if you're sick and you ignore your own symptoms, that's not going to work for me. Because if you don't even care about yourself enough to stop and go to the doctor, to take your medicine the way they told you, to rest when you're supposed to rest, why would you have sympathy for me if I say I'm tired and I just want to be in the bed today? You're going to be like, why are you in the bed? When I'm sick, I be up, I push past it. You're not going to help. You're not going to feel like what I say is important or valid. You don't even feel that way about yourself. And that's what I meant by, you know, being self-aware of who you are and what you need. You can't even really say what you need in a partner if you can't even really explain who you are and what you need and what you desire and what makes you feel good and when you need to be comforted. And if you're even doing that. (laughs) You know, I find myself in this moment. You will have been in this moment or in this space for a minute where all these relationship people just kind of turn me off. (laughs) And what my heart bleeds for people who really want answers and they really want to know how to date smarter. How do I become more feminine? How do I... How do I become better so that I can attract this person for me? And they're yeah. looking on the outside of them and they're going to this table and eating and, and absorbing what they're hearing. And then they're going to that table over there and eating. And then they're going over there and there. Like, listen, of course, you're going to have indigestion. Of course, you are going to have gas because you can't eat from everybody's table. And so now they've got all this information. A lot of it is conflicting. And sometimes it's coming from broken people who don't even have successful relationships. And it's not to say that you can't teach somebody from a point of experience, but some of them are playing games. Some of them are bitter. Some of them are speaking from hate. They don't Mm -hmm. examine the intent of who they are watching or listening to. For me, I always will watch people in the comments, not necessarily the person who is talking, but I want to see the type of conversation that's going on in the comments. Are these people geared towards learning? Are they geared towards edifying themselves? Are they doing the work or are they just there, you know, perpetuating these things that society says about women and men and relationships that keep us stuck? And then I'm like, okay, that's, you know, just don't even waste your time here anymore. But everybody's looking for answers for themselves, but they're looking from the, on the outside. Absolutely. I call it relationship church. (laughs) I know I call it relationship church. You get one or two things. You're going to get people telling people what they want to hear because you're the victim right now. I'm not saying they're actually victims, but from their perspective, like you were saying outside, the other person did something to me. And then you have the relationship pastor going, you're absolutely right. It was their fault. And they Hold become, up, you know. You <laughs> relationship, relationship change. They're like the relationship pastor and they tell them what they want to hear from the word of they did do something to you. Chapter two, verse three. And then all the oh my victim people are like, 
Amen. You right. It was him. I can't stand these people. And, and that doesn't serve anybody. Yes. And it doesn't serve anybody because at the end of the day, and look, this is not a, something that I felt all my life. Again, I'm 40. Some people learn it earlier than me. Some people learn it later. But there was a time that I played victim. Whether I truly was because somebody did something to me. But either scenario, even if someone did something to you, you have a part in it. And it's hard for people to hear that they played a part. How do I play a part with somebody that I love so much? And then sometimes I say, well, why you just didn't stop loving them? Why you just didn't move yourself out the, out the equation? Because they mind controlling me. So somebody has more power over you than you have over yourself. You can't think. No, because the stuff they were saying, but how did you feel? I felt crazy. Okay, even if you logically couldn't think it, if you felt crazy, and who wants to feel crazy? Move yourself out of the equation. You play, everybody plays a part in something. We're like moving puzzles every day. And you have a responsibility in everything. You have a responsibility of the life you want to create. You have a responsibility of the people you give access to you. And those are things that you really, you know, have to consider without being emotional about it. You know, that's another thing that we do. You know, we kind of brought up the, if a person gets to know you for who you are and things like that, that's based off emotions. You know, the fairy tale Disney story they tell us, I'm going to fall in love and it's going to be this feel good thing. You know, a lot of things feel good that harm you. A lot of things feel good. And sometimes you have to go to the extreme with people about that. Like, you know, rape victims don't want to be raped, but you might be in some groups and rape victims will be like, I was so confused because it felt good, but they raped me. It felt good, but that was wrong as hell. You don't, nobody deserves to be raped or their innocence taken away. It feels good to drink alcohol for some people, but should you? There are people who drink themselves into stupors and wake up and be like, whoo, I felt good. But they're slowly hurting themselves. Yeah. So you have to come to a point of, you know, what do I need? Who, who deserves access to me? What do I want my life to look like? And how do people, places, and things fit into that for my highest good? My entire life was a sanctuary. How do I keep a sanctuary of peace, joy, love, happiness, compassion, understanding, respect? And you start to move differently when it comes to dating and relationships. I don't care who you are. You know, like I said, I have a chronic pain condition. There are people who have mental health conditions. Just because you have what society would say is a weakness, it's not a weakness it might be a part of you but that doesn't mean you don't deserve the very best and to thrive and you can move people off the board accordingly definitely move them off the board if it doesn't feel right you know we all have to get to the point where we are doing what honors us what serves us well because everybody deserves that when you go home you have the peace that you desire. You have the love that you deserve. And there's unity and joy in your home, like you just said. But I think 
I don't want to be at the end of my life and just say like, oh, you know, I should have made a better choice. And it falls back to that self-accountability because I had many reasons in my, in my, in my marriage to say, hey, you know, it was his fault. Things ended up the way that they did. There were plenty of reasons why. But I recognized, and I'm so grateful that I did, that now it's time for you to own up to your mess. Why were you there in the first place and start answering those questions? And I didn't even look at him and what happened and all of that. I brought the focus in on me. And I said, I wanna, I wanna do things differently. I don't wanna end up in this type of situation. I wanna heal and I wanna, I wanna love myself better so that I don't end up here. And then you start stripping those layers that are there to you. You take off those blinders and you start seeing yourself because we all play a role. There's no perfect person. We can't be out here looking for perfect people when we're not perfect. Doesn't Absolutely. Like and I always tell people, you don't know what you don't know. <laughs> yeah. And we're not taught to question ourselves. You know, usually, you know, like I was saying before, we're told how our life is supposed to be. Even though most of us feel like we're creating the life that we desire, a lot of us, you're creating the life your parents desire for you or your family or, you know, whoever was the, the, the main foundation of your life. And you create it. And some people are happy with it. Some people are like, I got all of this and I still, I'm not satisfied. And it's because you never had a chance to speak to yourself. You never had a chance to become one with yourself and it just be you and God alone talking about who you are. Why do I feel this way? Why, when I get around certain people, I, I don't really want to mingle with them. I get this funny feeling, you know, why, you know, when I'm over here, that's a person I really want to talk to, but I enjoy being with them and I learn a lot, you know, you know, I like when I went to this, this place, you know, it gave me joy. I did these activities, even though other people around you might not do that. We're just not been conditioned to trust ourselves, trust that voice on the inside, trust God, trust our desires. It's kind of stripped away from us when we get to be like five or six years old. You know, when you look at little kids when they're like, you know, six months and a year and two and three. And sometimes, you know, you might be a mom and you're tired and you give them a book or something, but their imagination, imaginations just run wild. Some of the natural desires inside of them, they do it. Even though sometimes as parents will say, oh, that kid gets in a lot of stuff or, you know, why did they break that apart and put it back together? But they're being what they were created to be. And then all of a sudden we say, how they move individually does not fit into my life because you might be a parent that's busy. And then you start to tell them, well, this is what you need to do. And this is how you need to think and be still. Everybody else does this and you need to do it. And then you get a little bit older and it's, if you don't go this way, your life is going to be messed up. And then all of a sudden that's when you get into the cookie cutter society. Everybody has to be on one accord. And then we lose the, well, when I was around that person, I didn't really feel comfortable. But your mom said, why you don't be friends with them? Because they the, all a student. And they're in all these activities. That'll be a good person for you to be friends with. But your instinct goes, eh, 
every time around them, something happens. Right. But the elders told you to be with them. Then you shut down your intuition. You shut down the voice of God. And now you don't trust yourself and your thoughts and your ways because they don't align with what the world says. Yeah. And then you become like 35, 40 and go, look around and go, oh, what did I do? Yeah. <laughs> Let's start over again. Let's <laughs> unlearn to relearn. <laughs> you know, one thing that I always tell, one thing I always tell my clients is that your intuition doesn't require evidence. A lot of the times no. you hear them say, hey, I felt this way. And I was like, okay, and so why didn't you? Well, because the evidence wasn't matching up. Mm-hmm. It's that self-trust, you know, it's so important that, you know, you start validating that feeling and say, you know what, mm-hmm. I don't need to see what, what it is that I'm feeling on the inside, but I'm going to trust that mm-hmm. something is out of alignment. And, you know, it's, sometimes it's not even that still voice or that feeling, but sometimes you, your body doesn't feel well. You get around this person, mm-hmm. they keep coming over and you just have a headache. Yeah. And you can't explain it. It's not, it's you not happenstance. And if you go in your quiet time, you're alone with God and you're like, well, you know, let me clear the clutter. But some of us pick up, you know, thoughts and beliefs and things from people who are broken, like we were talking about. And once you clear that and go, mm, I picked that up because she said it. But even after I've cleared all of that, mm, something just doesn't feel right. You don't ignore that. And so that way, when you start dating, you know, people get little butterflies or whatnot. (laughs) But after a while, you tell yourself, okay, they're handsome or they're pretty. But outside of that, do I feel safe and secure when I'm around this person? Am I uneasy? Do I feel like I'm doing more than they're doing? Are they're just, they're not moved, like, none of this fits into what I desire. None of this is making me feel at peace. None of this is making me feel joy um, and happiness. And even if I do have moments of joy and happiness, how consistent is it? You know? You know. And I think that would save us the trouble of, oh my God, I keep dating these wrong people. And I don't know why. Maybe you keep putting yourself in the equation of that. Sometimes we're, um, even when we know it's not about highest good, even if we know our life is, you know, has been created in a way that we have to live a little bit different for whatever those needs may be, we'll still ignore something and choose someone that we know that's not good because it's comfortable for us so when we think about intuition sometimes intuition makes you uncomfortable but sometimes intuition is saying hey comfortable is an alarm too why do I keep falling back to what I know when I know what I know is not benefiting me oh so you want to go in deep waters now because that can be you know you that familiar spirit, that thing that is so comfortable that keeps showing up. And I don't ask myself, why do I keep dating the same man, but he's just dressed differently. A different face and a different body different with different clothes. To, that's all. 
but I keep doing it and I keep showing up in these relationships with the same person over and over again mm-hmm. with the same results going nowhere fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, it's easy to listen to your intuition when it makes you uncomfortable. But you have to be in a special place with yourself to know when intuition is very comfortable in knowing that you're in the wrong place. Um, you really do. And sometimes, you know, it's that faith that is stre- God is stretching you to say, I mm-hmm. need, can I trust you? Because many times, many of us, myself included, just dove into the deep end, knowing that, hey, I have this feeling and I I can't shake it off. I don't understand what it is. And I'm just going to sit here with this person anyway, because I like how this moment feels. Mm -hmm. But it's those feelings Mm -hmm. that end up leading us to, you know, disappointment they make us jaded later on and you know when you're in a comfortable space you already know what to expect okay and so you'll go back to it yeah you know versus saying i'm in it and your intuition goes you're in it but you remember what happened when you were in this and you were rewriting the narrative but you already know what to expect when it's familiar and if it does happen you're like "Mm, then I'm mad I've been through that before versus going to the unknown of something that's it still feels good but it's for your better good but even though it's for your better good sometimes the uncomfortability of I don't know what to expect kicks in and I think that happens a lot of times, especially with people in my position, when you have like a chronic medical condition, you know, it's like, I've dated these type of people. I already know what to expect. You know, if I'm really sick and they don't help, that's cool. Cause I've learned how to, to live my life where I don't need anybody. If I don't have to, like not a partner, if you did need someone, you know, you delegate, you know, like I was saying, the therapist or people come clean your home or Instacart or things like that. You're like, you know, it's cool if they didn't stay, but you know, what if you met someone and they were willing to walk the walk with you? And now you're going, well, why does he really want to walk the walk with me? Is he sincere? Now you start playing off of that lack of faith. Yeah. Because you don't know what to expect. Is he just doing this to just be nice because they want something? Or is this just going to be temporary? Mm, I don't know what to expect in this. At least the other people, if they left, I know what to expect. But this, it feels good, but why are they doing it? You start asking those why questions. Well, why are they doing it? When sometimes you just need to enjoy the moment and enjoy God showing up in whatever that situation is. And then going through to see, you know, what is it for? Because if it's not of God, it'll show. But at the moment, if it feels right, it feels good, you feel peace, you feel joy, you feel understanding, respect, live in the moment because dating is not marriage so shoot you can do that with three people if you want to you really <laughs> so can live in the moment <laughs> yeah. but you know i think there's something to be said you can date multiple people you can do what you want but i think you know there also times it comes a time where 
be integral with what you're doing because mm-hmm. you have some people promising the world, some people showing up, like showing up, showing up, and then showing up in that same fashion for other people. Mm-hmm. And you keep telling somebody, well, like, you know what, this is, this is where we are going. And that's why it's so important that you actually are paying attention to the signs. How is this relationship or this situation really going? How do you feel? And actually asking them. Because again, I can admit when I was young, nobody taught me how to date. If anything, they were telling me I shouldn't date. You know, it was the don't be a fast girl, you know, good girl, church girl, remember? Nobody taught you the process of dating. No. What did that even mean? All they said was you better get married. And you better do it before you have sex. Nobody taught you the process, you know, of dating. So now that I'm older, I open my mouth. Before you just kind of like talk to somebody and like you were saying on the first date, they're talking about, you know, they're dreaming about marriage. It's because nobody taught you the process of dating. So you assume the first guy you meet that feels a little good, that's going to be the one. At 40, I'm opening my mouth. Look, sir. We just dating. I don't know what you got going on. I'm going to keep reminding you unless you want to talk about something more advanced. Like my goal is marriage. Are you trying to get married? Sure. Okay. Well, a little bit later, I'm like, are you trying to get married to me? Or you just want to get married? Because if a guy says he want to get married, doesn't mean he want to marry you. And so I'm going to open up house. Ma'am. <laughs> You know, and it's also like, you know how men can say, like, listen, I'm not ready to date yet. You know, I'm not ready to date. But he wants all the relationships with sis. And she gets comfortable in that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she understands that he's not ready for a relationship yet. However, if I give him this sex, if I show up at his house and take care of all his needs, cook, clean, and be all of those things, He'll, when he's ready, we're going to do this thing. No. Mm-mm. When the one no. that he's waiting for comes along, then he'll commit to her. Yes. Because when most guys say, I'm not ready for dating yet, means that they're dating several people. They're not willing to date you yet. <laughs> so you're like in the friend category, which me dating this friend category, like we have to start learning like those are conversations people need to start having and being honest. Nobody is honest about the real stuff. You need to start saying, you know what? People cold switch and dating. It sounds like one thing, but you need to know what it means. And don't just let them do the talking. Like, why are you putting the power in someone else's hands? You giving them access to you. So let them know we're dating. No, nothing more, nothing less. This is how dating goes for me. If you want to be right. friends with benefits, you let them know, hey, I want a little Nikki Nikki while we're dating. It don't mean we're in a relationship. That's just who I am as a person. That's what I want to do. Everybody don't swing that way. But if that's your truth, then you need to speak your truth. If I just want to be with you for sex, speak it so people will know. And if they keep telling you that's what they want, that's not what you want. You go find somebody who wants what you want. And it doesn't mean that they're bad people. It, everybody wants to make somebody bad. It does not mean that they're a bad person. It means that they are actually confident 
and bold enough to speak their truth and live it. Now, what can you learn from that if you're someone that felt like you've been hurt in those situations? I gave him my all and then he went with another woman. Okay, well, well, why were you operating a weakness? What was your strength in that? You could have been like, okay, bro, deuces. Exactly. And then speak your truth. He goes, I want friends with benefits. She'd be like, uh-uh. I'm looking for a husband. Ain't no benefits until I do. <laughs> and mean what you say and say what you mean and do how you mean it. <laughs> and that's that. And it's that's that. <laughs> Oh, and life will be better and you'll start to actually find people who desire what you desire even if the vision might be a little bit different but you won't even know but you'll be able to start seeking people who you know okay I go to them I ask them okay I want marriage they want marriage cool okay that doesn't mean that now that's your husband next step now even though he want marriage and I want one what type of marriage you want what does that look like for you how do you move? Okay, well, that ain't what I want next. Exactly. You know, there's so much power in your no. When you know what it is that you want, then you can say no. You know, this does mm-hmm. not look like what I want. It does not look like what I, you know, how I envision my life. And it doesn't feel right for me. So you say no. But when you say no, you're opening up yourself to say yes to what actually mm-hmm. is for you and who mm-hmm. is for you. So there is power in no, and one of the tragedies is that people look at the end of these situations as the end. They feel like sometimes, well, you know, if I let this person go, there won't be another like them, or, you know, this might be my last chance. But every ending is a new beginning, and you've got to change up your perspective. Do you see an ending, or do you see a beginning and you know? And like you said earlier, which it comes with your why. I honestly don't believe everybody's supposed to be married. Um, and somebody might get mad if they hear this topic on another day. But some people, your your purpose in life is so big, a partner will hinder you, like in a marriage, because. Before you enter the world, you wake up at home. And if you have a husband or a wife or, you know, partners, poly, whatever your relationship dynamics are, home comes first. And even if you have to make money, all of a sudden, now all of a sudden you have to make sacrifices. You got to think, what am I willing to sacrifice? And if your purpose is so big that you're supposed to help the masses, you know, for some of us, like you're a coach and I'm a coach. I mean, we help people and groups of people, but there are some people, their assignment in life is to help like huge masses of people. You got to be like all over the world. You got to be hopping on planes. And when will you have time for a family or a spouse? And if you do say, okay, I truly desire to be married, because you could probably well be, you're going to have to find a spouse that's okay with that. If you find a spouse that home and calling me first and I come first and the kids come first, you have to be here at five, you know, 5 p.m. or whatever. Does that even fit your life? Do you even want to be a parent? I know people who are married and their parents and they don't even, they, 
they don't even desire that, but they did it because that's what you're supposed to do. But like they're never home. Yeah. They get a nanny. And nothing's wrong with that. Because listen, if I had another one, I would have had a nanny. Nothing's wrong with that life. But what I'm saying is, what is your why for life? Do you just want a partner like Oprah? She happy. They're not married, but you know, common, you know, common law connections or whatever. A lot of that is that law has ended, but she's living her best life and she just has a partner. Are you someone that just needs to find love and God in different people and be happy with that? Like you have friends, you have partners, you date. And if so, and that's your truth, you should be able to say that. And be able to live your life in that way versus feeling like, well, I'm not going to do that because people are going to be like, why is she dating somebody and she didn't get married? You know, why why she just going to settle down and get kids or, or vice versa? Absolutely. You know, if you just want to date people and you want to love and you want to be able to be loved with no restrictions, you know, Western society has taught us marriage and partnerships come with restrictions. It comes with enslavement. It comes with the possession of someone. You can't, I don't care. I mean, everybody has their, their, their belief, but you don't own another human that's called enslavement. And Western society has taught us that, you know, you get married and then you have possessions over people and it puts restrictions Sometimes on love, you know. So people need, if you are someone who's like, you know what, I just want to be loved with no limitations, no restrictions. And I want to date and be loved by this person and then go to this country and be loved, you know, by this person. And I just date and I just love to be loved by a lot of soulmates. And that's going to be my life until the day I take my last breath. Is that your, if that's your truth, that is beautiful. But be truthful about that and don't string people along. Just be honest about that and then live your truth. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That honesty is so important, mm-hmm. you know, um, just being able to allow people to make decisions for themselves from a, you know, from just a, like you said, from an honest mm-hmm. place. It's about the principle at the end of the day. But um, and know time, that you can't control anybody. Exactly. You can only control yourself. That's manipulation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is. Oh, boy. But our time is coming to an end, Monique. Thank you so much for being here with me today. Um, where can our listeners find you? Well, if you want to find me, I'm on Facebook and Instagram and on the web at Holistic Self Care Institute. Um, you can follow my business pages. You can also find me at Self Care Mo on Instagram as well as Clubhouse. Thank you so much. I will be sure to include all of your mm-hmm. information in the show notes. So mm-hmm. it'll be readily available for anybody who does want to reach out to you. But I thank you for your time and sharing all your knowledge. You're a wealth of knowledge and I love your perspective. Thank you for your time. You're so very welcome. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed our conversation tonight. You're welcome.